Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate with Howard Drukarsh. For those who don't know me, I'm one of the co-founders, along with Arthur Bartram and Ron Petticord, of Canada's largest independent brokerage with 5,500 agents. I've also been a member of the board of directors of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, also known as RICO, the regulator for real estate agents in the province of Ontario, and I sit on the board of the company that I co-founded. If you're interested in finding out more about me, the first episode intro is about my journey, my ups and downs, and how I ended up here. This is not your typical real estate podcast. What we do is we interview people. We interview salespeople, brokers, people in pre-construction, people building, people selling, people marketing pre-construction. We also interview lawyers, finance people, media people, and people not necessarily thought of in the real estate sphere, but are interesting guests because they all have had the same thing. They've had to overcome setbacks and roadblocks and rejection, um, failures, but they kept in a trajectory that kept them going straight up until they were successful. And for that reason, they're very interesting guests. My own background was I was a salesperson for 20 years before starting the company. Um, Then as we grew, I would take over the role of manager um, as we opened offices. And then for a few years, I was broker of record and president. Uh, And during that time, uh, I always was involved with recruiting, that is hiring people. Uh, New people were fascinating because sometimes I would just see uh, some enthusiasm or some spark in them that made me think they'd do well. And people transferring were interesting because these are people who were leaving from brands that had been around a lot longer than us. And they joined us because they felt it was better value. So that's my own background. But now I want to introduce our guest. Um, I'm going to introduce him by accomplishments first because uh, that could take up the whole 30 minutes, but I'll try to cut it down. So our guest has been... um, First off, talk about his philosophy for his business. He has set himself up as a one-stop real estate company. He works with buyers, sellers, all price ranges, all property types. He worked in land development, retirement. Um, He's a top-notch agent, and the proof of that, he's been number one in the York region for 20 years, consecutive 20 years. He's also consistently been within the top 10 of all Canada. He has his own popular TV show, Top Million Dollar Agent. He's been a guest speaker um, with Tony Robbins in front of thousands of people. He's also been a guest speaker in the Toronto um, Real Estate Wealth Expo with Tony Robbins Pitbull and Jim Treliving. He spoke at the Keller Williams event in Houston in front of 12,000 and a frequent uh, coach. And here he gets to talk in front of one person, me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The other thing that's really important, because being successful is one thing, but giving back is is quite another. Um, He contributes to many charities, including Million Dollar Smiles, Heart and Stroke Foundation, Yellow Brick House, Under the Big Top for Autism. Um, He's also director of the Asian Real Estate Association of America. Um, I'll highlight everything before we turn to him is that uh, in his career, he has helped over 7,500 families find homes. And uh, the estimated value of those sales was uh, about $3 billion dollars. So I'm out of breath, Daryl, but this is the king as he's known in his area. And uh, look, at his, look at his results, no wonder. So it's Daryl King. Welcome to our podcast, Daryl. Howard, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great. Um, anyway, that's an old thing because 7,500, we're well over 10,000. We're just short of 11,000 sales over $5.5 billion worth of real estate now. So anyway, uh, all right, that's so, neither here nor there. Well, okay. You know what? 
It's, it's the opportunity that people give us that is more important because, you know, we can say we're number one, but in reality, we're only number two because without our clients and all the other cooperating brokers and our brokers like you guys were, uh, you know, without everybody being involved, it's, it's a collaboration. And people think we, we, you know, we're in competition. We may be in competition, but without collaboration, we have nothing. And the vocal point of my whole 30 plus year career is being looking after our clients, because to me, that's the most important identity that we have to work with. Without their happiness, we have nothing. So all those awards and accolades go to very many happy clients. Absolutely. So, how are you? So listen, Daryl, um, you, you wouldn't be where you were if it was all about Daryl, right? This is a business where, you know, the best interests of your clients generate referrals to the person. Once you, once you serve them well, you're not talking about, um, you know, how do I get more business? It'll come to you. And obviously you've done that. So, you know, congratulations. You know, I wanted to ask this as a start. We, we've both in the business, been in the business in the 30-year range. Uh, I know you started when you were 10, um, oh but, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember how we met or where we met? Well, I, I knew your old partner very well. Okay, Arthur. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I know your old president, your old general manager. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny you meet so many people over that career because you know, right now there's almost sixty thousand. But when me and you started, there was like only ten thousand or eight thousand people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it, it's it's grew every year quite a bit. So, you know, you always got to know everybody. And, you know, and when we had live events, you always had an opportunity to see somebody. You know, some of my greatest people I used to meet was because when we used to do deals, sell someone's house by yourself, you would meet them live. It wasn't by fax, wasn't by email, wasn't by DocuSign. It was all live. So I got to meet a lot of people that way previous. And then at all the speaking engagements, you know, I was there. Um... So let it go. I like the song. Yes. House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that, you know, there's so many places where, where we exactly met. I couldn't honestly tell you. Right. But, uh, but we knew of each other. I mean, that, that's kind of what I find fascinating. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, you had a good reputation. Hopefully I had a reasonably good reputation. And they, those are the people you want to know, right? Those are the people you want to stay in touch with. So. Okay, so now let me go to my questions, and I, I um, there's no particular order, but I, I find some of these really help share with uh, with the audience uh, really good information about the guest. So let's start with this one. In in your family background, were there any entrepreneurs? Uh, not to what I'm doing. Like my 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 uncle, who was my godfather, uh, they they were very very well off but they came from nothing like i came from nothing we came from a very poor family uh you know middle-aged we i grew up i grew up in downtown toronto i was born at st joe's the lake shore uh lived downtown and then we were when i was about five or six we went to north york i lived in a 1200 square foot wartime bungalow right built mm -hmm. in 1950. so you know my my uncle who was my godfather they they owned a very successful commercial business but really nobody else in the family was like that. You know, my father worked hard, he'd do two jobs. And the greatest thing that he taught me was learning, taught not only me and my family actually, was teaching us the word work. If you wanted something, you know, now there are smarter people than I am obviously, but you know, 
for what he knew, he taught us how to work. So we were never afraid to work. In fact, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, I had the largest paper route in Toronto. And I used to go to after school, I have to go up to Young Street and pick up my papers. And in the wintertime, I, I, I'd cut through a park at Golden Park. And I, I'd start to cry because my hands were so cold. I had frostbites in, in my fingertips. And um, so, you know, it taught me a lot of lessons at a very young age that, you know, I may not be the brightest cube, but uh, I'll outwork anybody that I know. And that's really how I started my career. And there, Daryl, there's no shortcut, right? You, you, you've got to work. And a lot of the people that we've interviewed, um, my own life's quite similarly, is they come from situations where if they don't make it, no one's going to make it for them. Like, you, you know, you're self-motivated, you're entrepreneurial because you want to end up with a, a better lifestyle than, than perhaps you started out with. And obviously you did. Well, why did you choose real estate as a career? You know, it, that's, that's a great question, Howard. And, and it was something that real estate, you know, people say it was a passion, but for me, it was a true passion because my father worked, I think at the time it was Mr. Birkinshaw, Mr. R.C. Birkinshaw. I think he was the third wealthiest person in Canada. Now, we were poor. We're not well off, let's put it that way. And and here my father worked for one of the wealthiest men. And he was, you know, a director at the CNE, director of Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, director of uh, Goodyear Tire Company. I know he's a director on 11 different companies or whatever. And he had a big mansion down in Forest Hill and a big Cadillacs and stuff like that. So when I was young, I got to go to my father and I got to see all these beautiful houses and cars and stuff like that. And it was like, wow, it was just like, this is unbelievable. You know, we, our, our little house would go into maybe a bedroom of one of their houses mm -hmm. and they had country estates and stuff like that. And all these executives would come and, you know, I'd race around the go-kart. But then I started to play Monopoly and my nickname was the Monopoly King. Hmm. Very, you know, we had a group of, of friends and that that we played it forever and uh you know we had fun but i was very competitive at it and uh, i guess that that at a young age started me in, in thinking beautiful houses monopoly king i always had a, a you know belief in being friendly with everybody and i always had that allure to go there it's great you know it it it's funny the answers to the question because there's no consistency in what triggers people and that's obviously no. there is i guess there's you knew if you were playing Monopoly, you could maybe do it in real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? How about how about your biggest influence? If you look over your life, it doesn't have to be real estate career, but in your you know in your life, biggest influence. That's a big question. You know, I always thought my father would be my was my biggest influence because you know we didn't come for a lot, but he did teach me a lot of great fundamentals and principles and. You know, and, you know, I always had a tagline for the royal treatment, and that was always to treat someone like family. Mm. You know, he would give the shirt off his back. You know, they were from Nova Scotia. We have many different backgrounds with our nationality, but, you know, he's very, very caring, and, and everybody loved him. I mean, I remember when he died at 93. Uh, he made me so proud. They had an honor guard for him, Howard. Mm. And, you know, and I remember picking up the phone. I didn't care what my sister, my mother, and my brother said. I, I filmed the, the thing being done with the honor and doing the whole thing at the funeral there. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of that moment that just, you know, that he had such a fact. And, you know, he met a lot of big, big presidents and vice presidents of the United States and drove them around. He was an executive chauffeur. 
And uh, so I met a lot of very interesting people growing up and, you know, we had a lot of different opportunities that, uh, you know, but he always believed, always treat somebody how you want to be treated. And, and that's where the royal treatment come in. So just be honest, be fair, and, and do your best every time anyone gives you the opportunity to. You know, it's such simple advice, Daryl, but it's just so important. And I don't know, I mean, we can get into sociological discussion, but we don't have time for it. But yes. it just seems our generation has uh, um, embraced that uh, more than others. And, I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I see life the same way. You know, you, you, you know, the golden rule, right? I mean, all of those things may sound uh, out of date, but, but they, still, they still apply. People still want to be treated well. And obviously you do. What about this? Uh, in, in rank in order of importance in your career, uh, luck, hard work, and tenacity. Luck, hard well, work, tenacity. The, the, my nickname was Lucky or Lucky One my whole life. I just always seemed to get what I wanted. And as Tony Robbins and James Ray taught me later on in life, I created my own luck. Hmm. So what I, what my mindset became my biggest thing to my success. And so where I always thought, you know, when you pull up to like Yorkdale shopping mall and the park place is full, I would drive up to the front to get a front row parking spot. It's just <laughs> okay. lucky. Right? right. But as Tony Robbins and James Ray, who I trained under both of them, uh, they told me, no, you created your own luck. You manifested your own luck. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, yeah. So I always thought luck was part of it, but mm -hmm. then it's, the manifestation of, of creating it, you know, as Walt Disney, Michael Vance was also another one of my mentors. Michael Vance was Walt Disney's right-hand man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and one of the things they, he taught us, which Walt Disney had, if you can dream it, you can create it, mm -hmm. right? So that's the philosophy that I came from. Good for you. Um, when you think about risks, um, you know, and, and when you're an entrepreneur, there's risks. Um, what, what would you kind of think back on to say, well, this is probably the biggest risk I took. And then how did that risk work out? Well, I, 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 I actually, before I got into real estate, I was going to be, um, I thought of being a medical doctor. I got, I worked at Connaught Laboratories in the insulin division mm -hmm. and I was very young and, you know, I didn't have any degrees of any type by any shape of imagination, but. You know, I, I, I couldn't work on people, but scientific and research helping people because I always thought of helping people. So, you know, I, 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 you know, went up to the top of my pay scale there without being a doctor. And, you know, I was doing very well. And then I just, you know what, I really want to go to real estate. So I quit a good high paying job that and, and I left there with, you know, not a lot and went into real estate. So I guess that was a, a risk at that time for me. Um you know, and it's obviously worked out very well for me. I mean, I, I would have never succeeded to the level that I did. I mean, if I had been a doctor today, I would have been working on a vaccine for COVID-19. That's for sure. Well, and they should have been doing that cannot laboratories and try and come up with a Canadian version of it. So it's a little disappointing that never happened. Truthfully, That's its own. That's its own episode. That's its own. Identity. <laughs> okay. We won't go there. All right. Fair enough. Um, Nobody, you know, in the intro, I talk about people having to overcome challenges and setbacks in your life. And let's just we can go either your personal life or your business life. Um, what are the biggest challenges you've had to overcome? Well, I think the biggest challenge is every day you have to start from zero. As you know, Howard, 
-hmm. You know, you guys built up an incredible business, you know, 5,400 realtors. But, you know, every day you're starting from zero. You know, you may have what you did for already, but I always, and, and Mike Ferry taught me that, start every day at zero. Mm -hmm. So, you know, January 1st come, I have nothing on my plate. I have nothing to go. And, you know, you have a huge goal to to accomplish so much. And, you know, I, I it, it always gets a little frightening at first, but then you just move ahead and you, and you do it, right? You just have to have that vision and that clarity that, if you just keep pushing along, it's, it's going to happen and, and plan and, and execute. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're executing because a lot of people just do a lot of planning and they don't do a lot of executing. Listen, for you guys to take your business where you got to, you did a lot of planning, but you did an awful lot of executing. So that's the other thing I like to, you know, when you get tired of being just on the board and I need a recruiter, I want to hire you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that as another episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this one I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How um, how important is loyalty in your in your life? Well, I used to live and die by loyalty, and today it's I think it's getting harder for loyalty because there are so many things, carrots or disruptors or different things that distract people and. You know, I used to be able to do stuff on a handshake. You know, if you say you're going to do something, and obviously in, in, in our terms in our business, we have to do it all legally, but pretty much what I said would be a handshake and, and it would happen. So loyalty, you know, and that's why I say for the royal treatment, loyalty was always very important to me, extremely. You know, that one, when I was selling, that was it, it towards the, I started in, uh, probably the same time around you. I started in 1984 and stopped when we started the company in 2004. And towards kind of the end, I guess, of the 90s, I started to notice that, you know, people that I'd had as clients and it was just an understanding about loyalty, all of a sudden that was sort of shifting. And uh, uh, I'm not too sure why, but it, it wasn't just me. I mean, it was just like, as you're saying. It's it was, the carrots. It's the little it's the squirrels. It changes their direction. Yeah there's, yeah. there's so much disruption today, you know, with social media and that, that. Before you didn't have that, mm. you know, your clients would be your clients for 30 years, right. you know, their kids and their kids, right. you, know, you sell the family, nine, 10, 12 houses, whatever. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's harder and harder to do that. Okay. This, this is about, uh, I don't know, maybe we can call this in the category of qualifying or just in the category of dealing with people. But um, when you're dealing with someone or you're meeting someone for the first time, what sets off your BS monitor? Um. You know, before COVID, I, I, you know, I always had a warm handshake. And I think my father taught me that also because he always met so many important people and the handshakes and stuff like that. So, you know, when we were younger, we always go up and hug our buddies and give them a big hug or whatever the case, or have I met someone, reach out and give a, a handshake. So it started right there with the handshake, Howard. Eye to eye contact, you know, how you hold the hand, weak, soft whatever, you know, a woman you touch different than you would with a man and whatever, firm enough but not too firm. So, you know, you know, lots of times I would pick up certain things on the phone, but by the time you got there, within the first 30 seconds, you could have picked up so much on that. It was just unbelievable. You know, so I, I really miss that. You know, if you have a mask on now, you know, everything's sort of hidden inside and it's, the clarity is not there. 
a little different right now. It's funny. I never thought of it that way, but it's the body language you don't get anymore. Yes. And, and so much comes out of body language, not just the words. Oh. Body body language is huge. Yeah. It, it, it is 55% of what you do. Yeah. Right? Hopefully so. in a few months or so, it'll come back to where we can do that. But but that's right. That 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 would have been the thing that, you know, when I think about meeting people, I never meet them. I mean, I meet them, you know, uh, through, uh, uh, you know, a computer monitor. So it's harder. Yeah, it is harder. Yeah, especially if we're old school like you and I, you know, belly to belly, face to face. Right. Uh, really, really in, in grip. And even, you know, training the realtors and stuff like that and mentoring and stuff like that. It, it's you lose. Listen, it's great to be on here with you because without this, we might not have been able to do it. Right. But there's nothing like being live like. I was on the bus conference there. Phil Soper from uh, where LePage was talking there. Mm -hmm. And then I met the Remax R4, which is down in Orlando, and it's live. But, you know, normally they'd have 10,000 people there at one of these events. But, you know, they limited to I don't know how many thousand, and then there's thousands on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I went from there, and then I jumped down to Orlando. And, you know, if it wasn't for COVID I, I, and I didn't have quarantine, I probably would have been there. And I just enjoy meeting everybody and networking and brainstorming. And, you know, it was, a, it was great just being able to do it. So, yeah, I miss it quite a bit. Uh, this is something popped into my mind as you're talking. Um, you're on Clubhouse, right? I am. I started on there. But, you know, what? It, it's very, very addicting. And, uh, you know, unless you really have a goal to do something on there, you know, I was on there. You know, five days a week there for a little bit, and I was, you know, helping host some of the rooms and stuff like that. And people would want you to go to this room, people want you to go to that room. It's very interesting. And you know what? The beauty of that is you can meet a lot of people from all over the world and not just in real estate. So, you know, instead of watching TV, maybe you go listen to that. But you really got, you know, you I know you got onto it and I said you're going to be addicted for a while. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I pulled back, I haven't yeah. been on it for a while. And, uh, you know, because it just consumes. I, I, I know people would go on there. They'd be on there for 18 hours, 19 hours in a day. Yeah. No. So what am I accomplishing at that? You know, I only have this much time. So well, I, what, I, I stay away from it for a bit. Yeah. And, unless and, I have a purpose. And I remember your advice on that. And so, you know, and I don't find that I, I'm on that long. What I do is I pop on and off depending. And I, only, I basically look for real estate or podcast rooms, things that, you know, that, that interest me. But just like you, I mean, we'll be listening to somebody from uh, France, somebody from uh, North Carolina. And the, the, the other thing I like is it's a very respectful communication. They, they don't allow pitching. They don't allow, you know, any kind of uh, nastiness. And so it is a comfortable, you know, particularly in this time of COVID, it's a way to feel you're, you're socially involved, right? And that was what I enjoy about it. So, you know, it's, it's just a new thing. Yeah, it is, it is good that way because you can meet a lot of people that you wouldn't get to meet. Right. Right. Like I, we have our four down there with Remax in Orlando. Mm -hmm. They would have 10,000 people and you'd go there and you spend the week, mm -hmm. um, you know, eat lunch, dinners, whatever, right. different events and training. But, you know, so, yeah. So the clubhouse is a way of, of seeing people without seeing people. Right. And I think a lot of friendships will develop out of it. And when they open it up, they may have some different events people will go to to see those people. That's interesting. Right? You mentioned Phil Soper. Um, I know Phil as a friend. Uh, we, we both are amateur musicians. We've played a couple of charity events. And one person that I know that absolutely must be so uh, out of his uh, world is Phil, where he hasn't been able to talk to, to meet, 
to travel across the country. I mean, that he's been doing that for so many years. He must go, what am I doing? Right? Well, it's, it's any of us that, that right. are social and like to network and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, this now we've come up, you know, March was one whole year. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of mental frustration from a lot, a lot of people. And, and it is tough, but yeah. you just got to get through it. You just got to. Well, and the light, is, the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is shining, right? There's vaccines coming. You know, people are starting to feel that, that, they, that you know, that there will be a, everyone's saying a new normal, but there'll be something better than a the better last normal than we're in now. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Back to the really hard questions. All right. Uh, what was the hardest business decision you ever made? Um, you know, it, it's there's so many so many decisions, and it's hard to just say pinpoint what it was the hardest decision. The hardest decision is not making a decision. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you think about something. And then you don't do it. That's the hardest decision, mm -hmm. not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking about it, planning it and deciding it, and just believe the decision you made is the right one. Have we made wrong decisions? If you're not making wrong decisions, you're not succeeding. You have to have many failures to succeed. Right. You know, like I mentioned Walt Disney earlier before, Einstein, all these guys, they failed thousands of times trying to get started up. And, you know, these guys were geniuses and with great plans, but it took a lot of no's, took a lot of failures. So, you know, and I'm sure when you started your company and, and moved from where you started to and where you are today, you went through a lot of decisions were not always the right decision, but it's a journey. You know, back in the early 90s, I got defrauded out of almost $2 million. Just real estate was bad, as you know, and mm -hmm. offices were closing and wow. trust accounts and, it was not a good situation. So I spent seven years in court. And the reason that we have the commission trust agreement, you know, a lady called Mary Hahn went seven years to Supreme Court and fought for the realtors. Wow. And that's why we have the commission trust agreement. You can look it up in the Supreme Court. My name and her name will be there. Wow. Can fight that. Well, congratulations right? on so that. That was the decision I said, because all the realtors were losing all their money. We were second and third people yeah. and you know people were just losing everything so we made a fight and it, it took seven years cost me a lot of money did i get anything back for it no but i felt rewarded because of the outcome at the end well i think on behalf of everybody who's ever uh, made a commission <laughs> thank you <laughs> right um and I don't think this is much a part of you, but let me ask it anyway. Um, were you ever afraid to fail? And then how did how did you deal with that feeling? Um, yeah, we're all. I think everybody's afraid to fail. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. If you're an Olympic athlete, you're Tony Robbins or a movie actor or actress or whatever. We all have a fleeting moment of a thought. The drunk monkey comes in there and a failure, but. You don't let it overcome you. You have to want it more than the thought of failure. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes people have reasons to succeed, right? Like let's say you have to help a family out or different things. So there, everybody has different reasons to succeed. And, and failure is just part of the journey. Listen, every day we're going to go through failure. It's just part of it. It's learning how to accept the failure, Howard, and to move and grow from it and learn from it 
which is more important. Absolutely. You know, I've, uh, well, you don't know, but I have two uh, daughters in their, uh, uh, one's in their mid-20s, one's in their early 30s. And one of the things they never got a chance to do was to fail as much as I did. <laughs> and I've always thought that taught me so many lessons. And, and to your point about, you, you know, it's intention. You know where you want to go. Without that intention, failure can knock you right out. So um, again, it's maybe generational, you know, your, your generation, my generation, learned to fail, learned to accept failure, but didn't fail as an individual. That's the big difference, right? Yes. Learn from that failure, right? right? What did I learn from that failure? What did it teach me? What, you know, and I know sometimes when something happens, you know, in everyday business, something happens, breaks down. So let's find out the reason that broke down and let's try and fix it that it won't happen again. Right. Let's find a better solution, right? So always look for the solution. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's the positive outlook, right? Yeah. What's the biggest mistake that you ever made? And and the reason I ask that, just just tell us so the audience could perhaps avoid making the same mistake. And in seven years at Supreme Court chasing <laughs> after money that I, I won, but I never got it back, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But it was, a, a you know, the learning experience really made me who I am today. I was successful then, and I was in the top 100 at that time, but it, it, it taught me so much about hard knocks and, and, and being knocked down, you know. So, you know, being able to get knocked down seven times and getting up eight times, Good for you. you know, to be that fighter. You know, if you ever, I just watched that Muhammad Ali, Joe Fraser fight, and they went 15 rounds heavyweights. Right. I mean, they don't – it was just unbelievable. They just – Kept going and kept going. It's just truly unbelievable. I think never that's... learning to give up. So yeah, there's lots of failure, but accept failure, learn from failure, and get back up and continue to move on, which is to me is more important. Right, and that's I don't know if that can be taught. Quite honestly, I think, I think it comes from having a passion. I always feel you you'll succeed if you have a passion for what you do, and you you have intention. You know you know where you want to go. With those two things, you can, you can get through things. But but again, you know, you have to be fortunate enough, number one, to find the passion and then decide that you're going to give everything you've got to get there. And you're, you talked about, you know, the beginnings of our company. We, we could have failed so many times. There's things that we expected didn't happen. Things we didn't expect did happen. But we had a really good, you know, my, my partner, Arthur, uh, we had a good relationship, my business partner, Ron, and we just never thought we'd fail. At the end of the day, everybody said, you know, it's not going to work out. But we never felt it. And, and, I, and, I, and I try to communicate, communicate that with other people. You can't let people tell you you're going to fail and make it affect you. That, that's a loss forever, right? Truly. And that's the whole thing. People always tell you you can't succeed or you can't do this, you can't do that. Right. Be careful on who you listen to. True. Because that is one of the biggest curves that I've got growing up is be careful who you listen to because lots of people don't want you to succeed. They want you to hang out where, wherever they may be in life or mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. So, you know, be careful, you know, protect your mind because it's, it's, it's everything, you know, in news, if you listen to news, I mean, especially this last year, it's like, you know, I always told my mother, don't watch the news so much. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get depressed. I mean, I remember I got there a time I was at home myself and I started watching myself and I was like, Man, I'm a positive guy, but I, I've seen too much news. I'm getting depressed. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, people talk about failures or not being able to see it. I remember, the, you know, the story of the REMAX, same thing, 43 years ago or whatever. 
-hmm. When they came into Canada, they said, no, you're not going to work, and you're still here. Right. You guys started your company. You're still here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to believe and do and not listen to others, you can succeed. Okay. So here's, here's a good question for you. Um, what's the best thing that people who work with you and know you can say about you? Driven. Passion. Good. Big heart. Okay. Caring. Giving. If you could gauge your own success... What are the things you're good at and what are the things you could improve? How, well, do, you li how do you like these I questions there? I believe, truthfully, right. no matter what, I can improve every aspect of my life. There isn't one thing that I cannot improve. And every day I get up and I think I need to learn something new and I need to improve a little bit on something. So, you know, I believe I'm good at a lot of things, um, you know, I love sports. Was I the best sports player? No, but I enjoyed sports my whole life, right? I love traveling. I mean, I love what I do. I have a passion for what I do every single day. I have a passion for what I do. It's just self-motivating, and, you know, I can't change that. And, and that's given you. You look at Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. All these guys had a gift, but with that gift, they did training, and, and they sacrificed a lot. The athletes that go to the Olympics. You know, they go every four years and they lose by a quarter of a second and they come in second. Nobody remembers who's second. Mm -hmm. So you have to sacrifice a lot. But I just always believed continuous growth um, and, and, and always trying to help people. If you're always looking to help people and, and be fair with them, you're always going to get rewarded at the end. It's karma. And mm -hmm. that's what I believe. I think you're right. I think that, uh, it, it, you know, you... you, you um you explain it well. I mean, I, I, I don't think you can go through life with an attitude, I know everything. Like, you oh. know, the idea of learning something new every day, I think it's invigorating. I don't know how else to put it, right? Listen, what else do we have to do, really, mm -hmm. right? And, and today with, with life, I mean, you know, back then when I started, I had a rotary telephone and, and we had those big books and, right. you know, today everything's on a computer and the phone and it's so much more sophisticated in our business, but in anything, any wake of business in life, you know, you think every 10 years, how much it multiplies compared to it did 10 years, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, you know, life is just passing us by quickly. And, and you know, you, you sort of get a, have to get a tail of it or you're it's just going to wish it going by you before you even know it. Absolutely. So look at, did you ever think when you were younger that you were going to be on doing a podcast? You got a beautiful camera in front of you, a microphone. And, you know, we're, this is going to go to hundreds of people all over the place afterwards. You listen, know, I, listen, I, I was completely fascinated when the Internet came and I could sit in my uh, in my dining room on this box and connect to people all over the world. That that on its own was like, how does this work? Right. Yeah. And now it's you know, it's way past that. But, yeah, you know, change happens. And I think you embrace change. You'll, you'll survive. You fight change. It's going to be tough. Right. Pretty yeah. simple. All right. This one I like too. What are the top two things you care about? And what are the top two things you don't care about? Things that I care and what I don't care about. You know, I, I used to take a lot of things personally, what people said about me and stuff like that. But I, I can't care for that. I can't, I can't control someone's emotions or their thoughts. But what I can control is my character and who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, my father always taught me. My father was a, a 
he was a true gentleman. He, he was like a knight. You know, if I ever got on a bus and I never stood up and to let a lady or, or anybody sit there, if it was full, he'd be very upset at me. Mm -hmm. Always open a door for somebody. You know, pick up your dishes and take them to the sink no matter where you're at. So he taught me a lot of good ethics. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I see people that today sometimes they just don't have that. And I just, and, and I find it frustrating to some extent, but I can't control. So I don't get upset what I can't control and what I can't control. That's up to me. So just worry about what you can control. Like COVID-19, it's upsetting, but I can't control it. Mm -hmm. So I just have to go through it. And, and do whatever I got to do to help people out. So, you know, stay away from the negativity. Look for po people that are positive, inspiring. That's why I came on the show with you. You're positive, inspiring. Oh, I mean, you. who wouldn't, you know, invite someone who wouldn't come onto your show, right? Oh, thank Hang you. Daryl, you're the same for me. I look at your career. How many people have been able to, listen, I know people I started out with. Uh, there is maybe five that started out with me that are still in the business for various reasons they're not yeah. so i have so much respect for anybody who survived all the ups and downs all the crises all the crashes all the you know all the negative stuff and and because of that you know we we have a common bond we survived i mean that's really it survivors right? baby yeah okay <laughs> so listen this this is our last question and it's my favorite question okay what would you tell your 19 year old self Go enjoy yourself, baby. And, and you know, and this is how I lived my whole life. I had the, the, the uncle that I told you that was fairly wealthy. You know, they were worth, I think, maybe a billion dollars, but they came from nothing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he had two sons. And they they always worked. Like, Uncle Peter was the epitome of a workaholic. And... They never, you know, they had a beautiful house, they had nice cars, and but they never really got to enjoy it. Mm. And I always believe live every day like it's your last. Mm -hmm. So my cousin, who was 36 at the time, he had some red and white cells that were improper and all the money in the world couldn't help him out. And he died. Mm. You know, he had a beautiful little 10 year old daughter and whatever. But I think I've traveled already partially a quarter of the world already by then. I've done played every type of sport. I've hung out and done things. And, you know, I never regret it. And and so I always live every day like it's going to be my last day. So enjoy it. Embrace it. When my two feet hit the ground every day, that I feel totally blessed. That I, I come from gratitude. I, I, I always gratitude of the opportunities I have, the opportunities that I can help people. You know, being at this thing, look at all the charities and things that we can give back to others and making an impact on that. So always, always, always just if I was that 19 year old, just go do it. Be full of salt and vinegar. Be respectful, but go enjoy your life and have fun. And I would do the same thing today. And I still do the same thing today. <laughs> that's why you look. So I haven't changed from 19 to this time. Well, that's why you look so happy. And listen, good for you, <laughs> Daryl. Um, honestly, a real pleasure. You know, we, we in, in our business, we, to your point, maybe, I don't think we ever did a transaction together. So it wasn't like we got to know each other that way. But you get to know someone kind of. But what I love doing in these podcasts is I get to meet and know people that I always respect. I mean, that's the people I, I invite. So 
Thank you for coming on. Listen, I, I know you're a busy guy, so squeezing this in between uh, all the things you have to do is, is uh, very thank I thank you for that. And uh, as someone said to me this week, actually it was Heather Lake, she said, stay positive and test negative. All right. There you go. All right. Beautiful. All right. Nice to see you. Take care of yourself. All right. All okay. Right. Thanks, Daryl. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks. We'd like to thank Daryl King, and we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do it by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.